so after that excelsior we're gonna hold that for 19 seconds of just nothing perfect and then the music will start that is excellent that's the best yeah. idea yes that's it that's the one And welcome to Timeline Scavengers, the podcast specifically designed to last forever. I'm James Anderson, one of your hosts. And I'm Colin, one of your other hosts. On this show, we're going through the MCU in historical order, scene by scene, until... Wait, hang on a second. What's this? I've been handed a note across Hmm. the desk. Yes, it is until the end of time. Uh, now, what is not until the end of time, unfortunately, is our number of episodes with this guest. We've done okay. three episodes in a row. Yes. And now we are at the fourth and final one for the time being. For the be time clear. being. For the time being. Listen. We will be coming back. But but this particular run of episodes is coming to an end. Uh I'm going to try a different line. That feels like I'm like, I'm kicking you out. <laughs> we all also, die it, one day. There, and... Yeah, there was also a moment where you were like discussing my mortality, which felt which felt very... Um, well, listen, big. it's going to be about our mortality as well. This show will probably go longer than we will be alive. <laughs> you know, our sure. timeline is limited and... <laughs> What has not come to an end, however, is Mike Snyder's time with us? Welcome back, Mike. How are you? Good. I, uh, I, I'm, I'm not dead. Uh, just to make sure that everybody knows that I'm, I'm, I'm nice. here and alive. Uh, I, I also do another of... podcast <laughs> called Good Morning Greendale. Yeah, yeah. There was a lot of questions in between last episode and this one. They're like, "Wait, what happened to Mike?" I was like, "He's still here. Don't worry." He's I just, still with us. I, I I know that I lingered a little bit too much on Mike, but I'm I'm here. I promise. Mike Rose you from lingered the, below the like stage. The Chronicoms. Oh wait, what, James? I was just gonna make a Pearl Jam joke. You were gonna make an actual Agents of Shield related joke. It's totally yours is better. You should make. You should say yours. Mike, we're talking about Agents of Shield season seven, episode one. Again, and again, we are gonna, and we are at. Uh, Minute twenty eight eleven to start, and we're going to go through minute twenty nine forty six. And here is a synopsis of what happens in this scene, where you'll be happy to know actual stuff happens. So, hooray! <laughs> at the party, Mackenzie and Shaw appear as bartenders, while Johnson and Colson are guests. We'll come back to that because I don't necessarily agree with that at all. Johnson and Colson go to the entrance, so when the governor arrives, they can secure it. Shaw is now in bartender ship-shaped form, which is what the Wikipedia said, and that's what that says officially. Um, They go to attend their respective duties and await the arrival with haste and anticipation. I guess respectively. The respective duties, haste, and then the arrival. Anyways, here's what actually happens. We start on a waiter. We follow him 
as he approaches the bar and says the following. Hey, the drinks don't pour themselves. Get a wiggle on, you lazy. And then Mac pops up and says, you lazy what? Go on, finish it. And the waiter says, I'm sorry, and walks away. And Mac says to himself, ripples, not waves, ripples, not waves. A butterfly or a stick, I'm about to strangle the next 1930s moron I come across. Which is fantastic. It's so, tremendous. That's a good line. The 1930s moron he's just come across is played by a man named Amos Glick. And he's been in some short movies and some and 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 uh, he actually has a reel on IMDb that is pretty entertaining. Um, but his only comic book related ventures are he was Dennis the Mail slash Delivery slash Pizza Man on six episodes of WandaVision. Hmm. Interesting. So, okay. yeah, we're going to meet him in a long time from now. But <laughs> the same guy is that guy that keeps being like, hey, you know, don't shoot the messenger or whatever. Right. Um, Interesting. So that's Amos Glick. Mike, usually I come up with some sort of trivia something about the IMDb. Okay. And also that was technically an Avengers ensemble. But like, I'm not even sure that that necessarily <laughs> Counts. warrants, yeah. a, warrants a, a theme song not because Amos song. Glick isn't worthy of whatever it's just like it was over before you know it so much true like, I didn't realize no. we were in it until it was yeah. over <laughs> exactly so um, so Daisy is in a lovely shimmery green dress it is quite lovely I agree yeah. with you there and she tells Mac that he looks good which is also correct yes Um, then Deke there it is. All right. And we play the uh, Colin Hates Deke kicker right there. And um, this is the first time uh, uh, that I've ever met Deke. Again, if you go back to okay. a couple episodes ago, I guess suppose, uh, I suppose I technically met him at the first episode of this record right. block. Right. But th- this, when I was watching this, you know, three or uh, five minutes of footage for for this record, um, that was the first time I've ever met him personally. What were your thoughts on him? I he seems to be a human male uh, of some kind of, you know, not young, not old, just kind of existing age. Bold, bold, bold statements from Mike Snyder, noted Deke hater. Um, I have so no good. no concept. No, no. The only thing he you're, did, you're, you're on the right side of the history. The only Don't thing worry. he did is ask for some Zimas, which I thought was a pretty good reference. So yeah, um, how much? <laughs> let's give you. A, I'm going to give you five words of context. Okay. Future man discovers low low alcohol drink, and that's the context that you get for why he asked for Zima. He's from the future, so he will get to, to be it. clear. Not like the future, the way back in Coulson are. <laughs> yeah, I was like, well, they're also he's from, like the, from the future of our present day. Like he's from our future. Yeah. Okay. Whereas he, Mac and Coulson are from our time. He, I see. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So he's a literal future right. man. Okay. He's right. Exactly. Um. So, yes, he asks for. He walks up and says, two of your finest Zimas, please." Which is a pretty Colin, a pretty funny thing to say. No, it is. I okay. agree. <laughs> yeah. All right. No, okay. To be clear, when I did the 
God damn it, right? Like, I wasn't even going to say anything, but I saw that James took the pause. So I was like, oh, I'm supposed to put on, like, it's time for the bit. You know what I mean? So it's like, I could tell that this was my moment to to bring up my, my like, again, we, we kind of play it up a little bit. Like, I don't like, he's not my least favorite person that's ever existed. You right. know what I mean? Like, that's great. Kind Lord, of, of course. We, we, yes. Well, yeah. Yeah. No, but we, we add to like the level of like drama on that right like sure. you know and we've we've been over it on some episodes that by the time this comes out you will have heard right. and we'll have those conversations okay. i don't truly like hate hate deke it's just that i kept being like he's really annoying to me so it kept getting you know built up yeah, as, yeah, yeah. as in like Got you it. hate this man so like it you know it's kind of like our it's like our little joke about Got this you. one okay. particular character mm. uh and it's something that james loves to just throw at me anytime he's like and and who was there? And I go, ah, Deke. I was like, yeah, there it is. There it is. There's the. I'm trying to. I'm wanted. trying to shift some of that, uh, like ire from Deke to to me, just because it's you know it sort of warms me like a like a like a, a angry fire. Um. So yes, I want to tell you a little bit about Zima real quick. Um, because yes, this is why I was when when Zima came up, I was like, I want James to tell me about Zimas. <laughs> Now, is it because it's me talking about Zima's having little to no context about Zima in any way or Zima itself or both? Kind of everything. Yeah. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Because I, I, I knew that I, I had a feeling because you mentioned before we jumped on the record that you went on some rabbit holes. And I was like, when I heard the Zima reference, I'm like, I hope one of them is Zima. This was more of a, I see the rabbit there in the hole. There it is. That's the rabbit. I didn't realize the rabbit was there. <laughs> okay. I needed to look into the hole, but I see that the rabbit is very clear. The rabbit hole uh, for this session was the license plate of the, of oh, the truck. I see. That was, gotcha. that was for sure. So um, before I did this research, I think I've actually done this research more than once because Zima eludes me as something that's going to stick in my brain. Um, I was under the impression that Zima was non-alcoholic beverage. It's not. Everyone but me already knew. All right, so uh, the full name of it is Zima Clear Malt. It's a clear, lightly carbonated alcoholic beverage made and distributed by the Coors Brewing Company. It was introduced in 1993. It was marketed as an alternative to beer, an example of what is now often referred to as a cooler, which is a funny way of saying a thing that is an established word. Um, What is often referred to as... And it has a uh, 4.7 to 5.4 percent alcohol by volume. So nice, nice Zima Clear Malt. Um, please, my dad's name was Zima Clear Malt. Um, so uh, Deke is literally—I did the math—82 years early on this one. Uh, he's asking mm-hmm. for something that won't be introduced for 82 years, which you know, bold, bold move. You. S- can, can you go run through that math 62, for me? 62, 62. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. No, I'm not trying to. I, I just. It, it, no, no, no. It, it, no, the funny thing. No, here's the funny thing. I was doing the math too. And you said, hold on. And I was like, yeah, wait a minute. That adds up to. And then it didn't work. Um, Clearly, I. I was doing 2013, and it doesn't make any sense. 
<laughs> so he's like 62 uh, years early on that one. Colin, I'm going to leave the choice up to you how you want to edit that one. Give you a correct one and a not correct one. Sounds good. So they're talking um, behind the bar. Um, now, the synopsis lays it out like uh, Deke is a bartender. He is not yet. Colson and Mac are the ones behind the bar, and 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 Daisy and Deke are the ones that are coming up to the bar. They're going to switch because Daisy's going to go for a walk with Colson here in a second, but the fact that Deke is in a tuxedo doesn't mean he's dressed up like a bartender. It's just that when he gets behind the bar, you know, he becomes a bartender. Um, sure. This does lead... They're talking about, um, you know, all the, you know... FDR is coming and they need to sort of figure out and save him and protect him and save history and all this stuff. This does uh, lead to Coulson saying uh, something that Mike referred to in a previous episode. I sure did. I love uh, I, this is a good joke. I also really like when the title of the episode is, is said and that is this as well. Excellent. The title of the episode is uh, of course the new deal. I don't know if people remember that from when we introduced it months ago. Um, but he says when he FDR gets here, it'll be a whole new deal. Am I right? He pauses. He pauses. He says, "Dad jokes. It's a glitch," which I think is funny. Blaming your poor joke on your being a robot. I think that's very good. I often do it, Mike. I can't believe that you just gave me that. Tossed that up for me to just knock out of the park. Because that leads me to a guestion, Mike. <laughs> okay. The guestion, which I had written before you said that, and I promise that's true. Can you remember a time when you were at a work thing and you were nervous, so you made a joke that did not go over well? I mean, I'm. If anybody knows anything about me, Mike from Good Morning Group, or uh, Good Morning, Good Morning Futurama, Good Morning Futurama, my my two shows uh, mashed together in one big. Giant Good Morning Futurama. I brought my own soapbox. <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> anyway, um, I make jokes a lot. Uh, mm. I make jokes uh, when I'm when it's awkward, when it's not awkward. Um, I mean, like I, I, I'm what's commonly known in our group as a bug sheriff. Okay. Um, right now, uh, because I am on call at work, so um, we we have a little like a uh, 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 sheriff badge that we pass around when we're on this. Um, and uh, I started. Uh, we have uh, meetings where I I just decided to go yeehaw in the beginning of it. Uh, and this uh -huh. is at 9.30 in the morning. Uh, and, you know, uh, programmers not known to be morning people. Uh, so I just kind of came right out with that. I got a few courtesy uh, smiles on the Zoom, uh, but that's about it. So, yeah, I'm always making jokes. And most of the time, they're kind of not great. I love that. Um, also, check out my new comedy album, Courtesy Smiles on the Zoom. Um... <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. That's a good one. That that's a, that, hey, one title deserves another, Mike. Thank you for that. I, um, that is that is very, that's perfect. A loud yeehaw at nine thirty in the morning is exactly what I hope that you would. Uh, it's it's amazing you knew you knew what I did, and I'm I'm glad that you were looking forward to me doing it. <laughs> Here's an awkward situation. 
Oh, Mike's going to be on. Question? <laughs> I think that Mike <laughs> will have something to contribute. Um, but unless either of you two have anything else to talk about... Um, oh, oh, actually, I do. <laughs> good. It's good that you uh, answered James's question, James. <laughs> um, just real quick, we hear our second song from the composer Jeffrey Gascoigne, um, the sax player, who is not Jeffrey Gascoigne because Jeffrey Gascoigne is a bass player, starts playing the Jeffrey Gascoigne composition Lester, um, which if you look up on anything, you won't find because there's a famous saxophone player named Lester something. And uh, you just find his stuff. And so I have to imagine that this song, which features a sax solo, is called Lester in tribute to that man. But um, this song was for sure written in the 2010s, kind of for this episode. Um, Jeffrey Gascoigne has a number of albums actually maybe not for this episode he has a number of albums which is like jazz of the 30s jazz of the 40s up through like the 60s where he's not doing covers but he's doing like style covers. yeah mm -hmm. which i find mm -hmm. i've been very cool and those are all available on spotify gas coin is spelled o-y-n-e g-a-s-c-o-y-n-e um okay. and that is the song that starts playing um as we come, I, the reason why in the last episode I knew that we went to commercial was because this one starts in a very "and we're back" sort of right, right, yes. way. <laughs> you start on like the the band playing and then yeah. you pan over exactly. Yeah. So, um, and we're back with yeah. music. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> okay, cool, cool, cool. The, the saxophone player pitched me being like, him being yeah. like, "Do you want me to say and we're back two, three? And they said, "No, just start playing." He's like, "Okay," yeah. you know, sax players malleable like clay they just do whatever you want them to do no minds of their own oh our sax listeners have all logged off um by jordan reed oh friend of the podcast friend of ours uh, you know jordan reed would be like yeah that's about right <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> oh yeah hey guys yeah no, that's, that actually, sounds yeah, about right no, yeah. actually oh yeah no that's uh that's for sure for sure the uh, accurate it's my best Jordan Reed impression. Uh, it's not my best, but okay. <laughs> James, speaking of music, got a yeah. question for you. Yeah. Do you have a music of 1931? You know, I do. You know, I do. And I'm looking here and, um, are yeah. you, you sound so sad, James. Why are you so sad <laughs> I, about it? I, here's why Mike. So I made a vow to myself never to do this segment. No, I, um, I wanted to start bulleting these to keep it short. And as I scroll down and down and down on my notes, <laughs> where the bullets fade away, um, I realize that that is not a good, uh, not that's not working. So, anyways, the song is gonna, is called uh, "Uncle Ned, Don't Use Your Head," and it is by a uh, blues and jazz singer named Lonnie Johnson. Now, I need to make a very quick correction to anyone who is scratching their heads right now, very confused. No, this is a different Lonnie Johnson than the Lonnie Johnson that was the man that invented the super soaker. So this is a blues and jazz musician Lonnie Johnson, not super soaker inventor Lonnie Johnson. So that's just it's, it's very a very, that would have been yeah. very good distinction to make. I, I, Distin yeah, we, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, if you hadn't made that distinction, I would have been like, wow, what a career. Did you know that the yeah. guy that invented... Exactly, exactly. Man, a man of many talents. Exactly. He was very popular. I, I heard he was a blast. <laughs> Alright, so, Lonnie Johnson, not the super soaker guy, but the jazz musician, was an American blues and jazz singer, guitarist, violinist, and songwriter. But I'm sure they both got people soaking, huh? Alright, <laughs> yeah. sorry. That's... See, I was, I was, I was like... I'm gonna make a joke about that, and I don't want to. Uh, yeah, there's a pump action joke that you could do there too. If you <laughs> That's good. You sure. Know, um, it's just so niche that it's like, did you know there was a guy named Lonnie Johnson that invented the Super Soaker? We're not talking about him today. So, um, he was a pioneer of jazz guitar and jazz violin, and is recognized as the first to play an electrically amplified violin. So. I think what we're all thinking right now is Yellow Card wouldn't exist without Lonnie Johnson, not the guy that invented the Super Soaker, but the blues and jazz musician. You took the the, the words right out of my head. He was born in New Orleans, Louisiana. Huh? Huh? Come. That's where I'm at right now. Nice. <laughs> he was raised in a family of musicians like you often are in that part of the world. Um, he studied violin, piano, and guitar as a child and learned to play various other instruments, including the mandolin. Okay. Lonnie, play your mandolin. That's a fantastic <laughs> reference to That's the, a callback, yeah. Yeah. If everyone who's been paying attention to the music 1931 is on the floor <laughs> laughing about that one. Uh, he concentrated on the guitar throughout his professional career. There was music all around us, he recalled, and my family, and in my family, you'd better be playing, and in my family, you'd better play something, even if you just banged on a tin can. By his late teens, he was playing guitar and violin in his father's family band at banquets, weddings, banquets and weddings, alongside his brother James Steady Roll Johnson. Uh, James Johnson, not noted for inventing any sort of super soaker. Um, he also worked with the jazz trumpeter Punch Miller in the Storyville district of New Orleans. Colin, do you know where Storyville is? I'm trying to think about that, actually. Um, actually, I don't. Okay, Storyville district. Which is kind of a weird thing to say, but like it's a it's a part of like the French Quarter area. Okay, I yeah I know gotcha. where I know where that is actually. Gotcha. Yes. Um, in 1917, he joined a review that toured England, returning home in 1919 to find that all of his family except his brother James. Horrifying callback to a previous episode. Colin, he returned in 1919 to find that his entire family except for his brother James had died in the 1918 influenza epidemic. Hmm. which as listeners to the show and also people who have heard of history will recall struck New Orleans quite, quite horribly. Real quick, just wanted to look up one more thing about, I was yeah. just like kind of Googling yeah. the Storyville thing. Uh, it was the red light district of New Orleans, actually. It was um, okay established by the New Orleans city council to regulate prostitution. I see. Sydney story, a city alderman, wrote guidelines and legislation to control it within the city. It was a designated area for prostitution, although still nominally illegal. It was tolerated or at least regulated. And uh, eventually they got rid of it in 1917. I think actually it's really interesting that they that they shut down Storyville in 1917, and that was when Johnson left for England. Hmm. I think that's not maybe a coincidence. He's like, okay, yeah. well, bye. See ya. Nothing left for me here. <laughs> the clubs are all closing down. I'm heading to England. Like Jimi Hendrix. And everyone's like, what? Who? And he's like, don't worry about it. 
Your grandkids are going <laughs> to love it. In 1925, he entered and won a blues contest at the Booker T. Washington Theater in St. Louis, the prize being a recording contract with OK Records. Um, to OK is spelled O-K-E-H. Um, so it's pronounced OK, but I think that there's a dialect, perhaps maybe not the most it's fine for me to try and imitate as sure. a white guy. No, I gotcha. Um, but that is the record label he got a contract with. To his regret, he was then tagged as a blues artist and later found it difficult to be regarded as anything else. He later said, I guess I would have done anything to get recorded. It just happened to be a blues contest, so I sang the blues. Which is such a, like, multi-talented musician thing to say. Like, yeah, the contest was there. They said play the blues. I did not what won. So like what an absolute flex. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was if it had been a drum solo contest, I would have won that too. It's just that right. like, <laughs> I, like I, no I only, one ever asks me. Yeah, I, I only had the the contest that was put in front of me. That's I right. did it, and there you go. I mean, you know, that's just that that's just Lonnie Johnson, not the guy who invented the super soaker, but the jazz and blues musician. He's like, what's that? You don't want to hear about my chamber music for you know a. 1600 style orchestra. Okay, well, of course, no one ever asked me about that. Time. Okay. Yeah, he like, like wrote like these huge time. symphonies, like, but yeah. <laughs> but everyone's like, "Tell us more about the blues." He's like, oh. "I also rap." Does anyone know just yeah. blues? Okay, yeah. it's fine. His early recordings are the first guitar recordings that display a single note soloing style with string bending and vibrato. Johnson pioneered this style of guitar playing on records, and his obvious. And his influence is obvious on the playing of Django Reinhardt, T-Bone Walker, and virtually all electric blues guitarists. One of Elvis Presley's earliest recordings was a version of Johnson's blues ballad, Tomorrow Night. Presley's vocal phrasing mimics Johnson's, and many of Presley's signature vibrato and baritone sounds can be heard in development. Tomorrow Night was also recorded by Laverne Baker and Jerry Lee Lewis. In the liner notes for his album, for the album Biograph, Bob Dylan described his encounters with Johnson in New York City. He said, I was lucky to meet Lonnie Johnson at the same club I was working, and I must say he greatly influenced me. You can hear it, you can hear it in that first record. I mean Karina, Karina. So just real quick, that's from his second record, but his first with, like, not covers mostly on it. So he called it his first record, but it was his second record. It's fine. He said, that's pretty much Lonnie Johnson. I used to watch them every chance I got, and sometimes he'd let me play with him. I think he and Tampa Red and, of course, Scrapper Blackwell. <laughs> that's that's Bob Dylan being, like, all hipster. Of course, Scrapper Blackwell. To be that's fair, those fa- names rule? Those, yeah. No, for sure. Tampa Red and Scrapper Blackwell do sound like they rule, but also it's like someone being like, yeah, I mean, like, you know, yeah, I, I, I of course listen to the Pixies, but also like you know, uh, Rundown Shack and um, you know, Basement Dwellers, of course. I mean, like, sure, uh, yeah. you know, naturally, but uh, naturally, oh, who doesn't? Yeah, I mean, of uh, course, yeah, you're, exactly. You I mean, probably gonna do, say, right? yeah. <laughs> um, he said that's my favorite style of guitar playing. In his autobiography, he wrote about the performing method he learned from Robert Johnson and remarked that Robert Johnson had learned a lot from Lonnie Johnson. Some of Robert Johnson's songs are seen as new versions of songs recorded by Lonnie Johnson. Now, about the song, it, I could find, like, literally nothing about it. So I listened to it and found the lyrics. Of course, because it's this type of blues song, the lyrics change. Like, you're reading the lyrics, and you're like, that's not what is being sung at all. So 
it changes. But basically, <laughs> I wrote this. It said, I said, this song is, from what I can tell, addressed to a guy who acts like he isn't as old as he actually is. And Johnson is saying that's, that that's a good way to end up dead and that Johnson won't miss him when that happens. Wow. Yeah. That's, wow. He's that like, took a turn. He's like, uh, you need to stop messing around. I can't wait till you're dead because then you'll stop like sleeping with my wife. Oh. Like stuff. But then, oh. of course, other things are like, when you're dead, I can start sleeping with your wife. You know, the <laughs> blues. It's like, you know, it changes. Revenge. Yeah, sure, sure, yeah. But yeah, it's definitely like, you are old now. Stop it. And uh, with that said, I'm going to stop talking. Don't read too much into it. Um, <laughs> uh, that's it for me for this episode. If you want to lead us into some social media. Yeah, since you're going to stop talking, I'm going to start talking. Nice. Uh, so, listen up, folks. Here is the fastest rundown you're ever going to get. If you want to find the show, you can find the show at Timeline Scav. Uh, if you want to find Scavengers Network, the podcast network that we're a part of, you can find them at Scavengers Net. If you want to find me, you can find me at Colin M. Parker. James, where can people find you on Twitter? They can find me on Twitter at Unabashed James. And Mike, where can people find you on Twitter and your show on Twitter? So yes, you can find my show, Good Morning Greendale, at Good Greendale, and you can find me at T H E G I G G A S. And if you'd like to find uh, Nick Bramall, the guy who made the music that you hear at the beginning and the end of the show, you can find him at N Bramald, which is N B R A M A L D, or at Nick Bramald Composer. Co.uk. I'd also like to take a moment to suggest a Scavengers Network show for you. Uh, check out Spooky Spouses. It's one of the most wholesome things you can ever find. Sometimes some actual spooky, creepy stuff, but in general, it's uh, you know Lindsay and Jordan Reed out in Ohio uh, reading about some fun little spooky, scary stories and sharing them together for the first time and also with you and sometimes their dog Molly. And that's going to do it for us here on this episode of Timeline Scavengers. As always, I'm Colin Parker. I'm James Anderson. And I'm Mike Snyder. Two of your finest Zimas, please. Andrew Rosas. And I'm Drew Saplin. And we're hosts of The, the most. most. What's the most? Well, it's a show where we have guests on and ask them the most questions. What's the most fooled you've ever been? I think by the, the United States government. It's <laughs> been probably mine. Yes. <laughs> you, you were in the war too? We also ask a series of rapid fire questions at the end of the show for some heated competition. Would you rob a bank if you knew you'd never get caught? Yeah. If you were expertly covered in feathers, do you think you could fly? No. Would you say that we're friends? No. How many ounces in a gallon? Again, we're not friends. I understand. How many <laughs> okay. ounces in a gallon? I, just, I have to be really clear. You and I are not friends. <laughs> That's completely... I, <laughs> 32.
Great. Have you ever failed to keep a secret? Like, if you texted me, I would be like, who is this? I don't have your number in my phone. Right. I, and, and you'd be like, Andrew, and I'd be like, I don't, I mean, I'm I don't, in, remember. I don't really. Right. Yeah. What's the question? Until now, the most has only been available on the Rooster Teeth website. But now we're taking this award-wanting talk show to the masses in podcast form. Like, yo, there's a Popeye's down the street. I still Uber Eats that shit. <laughs> I mean, I, I can see Uber Eats. I can see it from my window. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Literally, yeah. McDonald's yeah. is right there, too. There's, there's a, there's Come a on, we all do boil that, down the street. After a year on the RT site, the reviews are in, and critics are celebrating the show, calling it, quote, an hour long and live on Tuesdays. What's the most compelling conspiracy theory? Let me preface this by saying, I know we went to the moon. <laughs> oh my god. The RT community is also a buzz over the most, naming it one of their top 50 favorite Rooster Teeth shows. In a world with so many podcasts, two brave dudes in their 30s looked at a roiling sea of content and said, Us too. We're truly very excited to take the most of podcasts as we continue to ask the tough questions, tell stories, and uh, learn some sage wisdom from our esteemed guests. It's important to buck up everything you do at least once once like yeah, well, i'm on stage that is, that is some great burn a advice. meal crash your car overdose get a divorce <laughs> like you need to fuck these things <laughs> up in order time. to be good at them if you love the show tell a friend and if you hate it i don't care tell an enemy and listen to the most wherever you get your podcasts the scavengers network creator driven community focused treasured content